wrapping up. We're about a month from training camp kicking off. Who says there's no football news to talk about? The NFL, there's always something going on. And we've got it covered for you here on the Pick 6 Podcast. What's going on? How are you? I'm Dan Richards. One of the fantasy football guys here at CBS Sports. Filling in for Will Brinson, who is probably winning piles of money in Monte Carlo or something like that. He's on vacation. Joining me today is beloved Baltimore resident, NFL insider to many, father to few, husband to one, Mr. Jason Lockenfora. What's up, Jason? What's going on, Dave? Man, I'm just I we we got hit with some uh with some news on Thursday about the competition committee and we'll and their uh the, the pass interference rules that they're recommending. But before we get into football, I was just wondering, I know you as a music buff, and you are yes, always sir. ahead of the curve when it comes to what's cool in music. I don't know about ahead of the curve. I, I, I mean all right, then maybe I'm the one who's behind the curve. Well, yeah, well, I, I don't, I, I gotta be honest, I'm not like out there searching for the, you know, <laughs> the latest fad or the hottest new band or, no, you know what no, I mean, no. who I think, who I think is going to, uh, I, I, I love music. I'm a music buff, but I tend to just kind of churn for lost classics and things that may have slipped through the cracks more than, uh, you know, recommending the, the hot new thing. Sure, sure. Um, but I like your music taste and the summer's here and we've got a month before football really kicks in. Could you recommend me some music? Uh, like beach music? Uh, it could be anything. Beach music, workout music, anything. Beach music, I would say uh, the Exploding Hearts Guitar Romantic, that album. Uh, workout music, I would say uh, Refused, uh, The Shape of Punk to Come. Uh, what was the other? What else were you looking for? I, I said anything. How about road oh, trip? Right. Let's, do, let's do one more road trip music. Road trip, good road trip album. Uh, man, I I would say uh, anything by the Ventures. Go okay. get the Ventures greatest hits. All right, beautiful. You don't, ha- you don't have to worry about it. That nobody, you know, if you're all in a car together, it doesn't matter that nobody knows the words because it's great instrumental stuff. Fantastic. And Scottsdale stretching out. I, uh, I I was hoping to get one band. I got three. Triple my money's yep. worth. I appreciate there it. There you go. All right. I'm a font. I'm a font of useless information. Yeah. Let's get to some useful information then. The competition committee unanimously recommended the rule approved in March for instant replay on pass interference. Yeah. It's in effect for 2019. Here's the, here's the statement Maybe for, for you to say, right? It yeah. Right. Rolls off the tongue. This <laughs> is, this is such a clear and concise and uh, well-defined uh, change. Yeah. Right. So here's, how about this? I'll read what they said. You tell me in layman's terms. You want me to translate? You're going to be our translator, Uh, but I'll read. I'll see. I might not speak this language, but we'll see. All right, but you got to keep it short. Here we go. The replay official will stop the game after the two-minute warning of each half and during overtime when there is, quote, clear and obvious visual evidence, end quote, that a pass interference (laughs) foul may or may not have occurred based on viewing the play live or any initial replays. Yeah. I think that's basically sending out a signal that, you know, we're not exactly going to be calling this tight. And if you mug somebody, if you maul somebody, if um, there's some sort of uh, soft terrain here that you're going to be allowed to navigate, and if you go too far, then, you know, we'll call it. Don't make us call it, I think, is basically the signal they're sending. But who knows how this is going to be enforced from, you know, from situation to situation and whether or not 
they actually maintain some sort of consistency? Um, I think that's the huge question. And as we've seen these initiatives in the past um, and, and how things are called from week to week in a 1 o'clock window, 4 o'clock window, and prime time, and then the playoffs, uh, it's not always the same, is it? No, it's not. And there's a lot more to the statement. I, I think at this point I don't even think I really need to read off the whole thing because it's just – Jargon. The bottom line is this. They're going to be a little bit more strict on calling a pass interference penalty in the last two minutes. It's going to come down to a replay official who will do it, assuming the officials on the field don't do it. So it's kind of like a, like a, a backup, a safety net for the officials that are on the field. There is one little tweak, though, that I do want to read. Um, this is at the end of the statement from the NFL. All passing plays will be subject to review for pass interference. The Hail Mary play will be reviewed and replayed consistent with the guidelines for officiating the play on the field. Jason, when's the last time you saw pass interference called on a Hail Mary? Well, and that's where we started with this whole thing, right? I mean, that's why this is dragged out to this point is that how do they close that loophole and they, there have been discussions within the competition committee and then reaching out to other coaches and GMs who aren't on it but um, have some opinions as to how you write that rule. And, and obviously they, they haven't been able to come up with you know, exact verbiage. And I don't know that you can come up with exact verbiage to define a Hail Mary. You know, there was a lot of internal discussions. Like, does it have to be at least maximum number of players in a route? And the defense has dropped at least, you know, five players more than 25 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know, man. Um, you know, you can go down the rabbit hole pretty quickly with this stuff. Obviously, we all know what happened in the Saints-Rams championship game. Obviously, we know that there was a reaction to it around the league, very visceral. Obviously, we know they tried to, uh, you know, put, put the genie back in the bottle at the league meetings back uh, in March. And they haven't been able to close all the loopholes. And this is going to be a major storyline, so I would imagine, at least for the first month of the season, depending on if, if it is called uh, consistently around the league. And I, I think you're going to have to re- – I'll go back to what I originally said. I think you're going to have to really maul somebody in a, in a, inside of a two-minute league-taking-over Hail Mary type of situation for them to call it. Yep, and I think Saints fans know exactly what that looks like. We talked about that being a storyline this week. What about storylines for the next month before training camps kick off? I'll I'll pose this question to you because it was posed to me, Jason. What do you think the league's biggest storyline will be as we near training camp? I mean, uh, league-wide, I I don't know that it'll be any one thing. Obviously, there's some disciplinary matters that have, uh, haven't been addressed yet. You've got off-field issues um, concerning Robert Kraft and Tyreek Hill, and uh, that, that's not going to be a lot. I can't imagine it bleeds into the regular season, barring some new evidence coming out or, or something happening that takes either you know, investigation down an unforeseen path. Um, there's an expectation around the league and other organizations that, hey, um, they need to do something about both of these instances. What will it be? Your guess is as good as anybody else's. There is no linear pattern to follow here when it comes to these instances with the NFL. Um, you know, you go back to what happened with Jim Irsay with a bunch of drugs that weren't his, right? Prescription drugs that, yep. that weren't his, and uh, what was it, $22,000 in cash? Was you it know, was it that he little? Got a relative I, I, slap on the wrist. What would yeah. that have been if that was a coach, or what would that have been if that was a quarterback? I, I, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. 
Um, but certainly the way they police themselves at the ownership level is different than the way players are policed. I mean, the Tyreek Hill situation, whatever happens as a legal matter, doesn't necessarily matter as it comes to the court of uh, the NFL's personal conduct policy. And when you see a guy like uh, Jimmy Smith of the Ravens get, uh, what, four games basically for, for what amounted to verbal threats, and he doesn't have the criminal background that Tyreek Hill does when it comes to issues of domestic violence. You know, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I, one would suspect that he misses a good chunk of time this season, but I, I would never say that I absolutely know because the, I don't know that the league knows. And all these things kind of sort of seem to happen in a vacuum when it comes to how they're fed it out and met it out and, and uh, ultimately discipline is handed out. We're working under the assumption in, in fantasy football land here at CBS Sports that Tyreek's going to miss six games. That's what Ezekiel Elliott missed. Um, when, remember he fought it for a while, and then toward the end of the year he just said, you know what, I'll just I'll suck it up and take the suspension. Yeah. Um, he, he would come back sometime in mid-October to help Kansas City, who I would assume would have a good record at that point and, and be uh, effective for them. And I believe that there's already talk that he could be ready to participate in training camp with the Chiefs. So I, to me, that's the biggest storyline, along with Robert Kraft. That one's huge, too. Uh, no pun intended. Josh Gordon is another one who is currently suspended, but Tom Brady uh, had a video of him playing catch with Gordon on Instagram. I wonder if that th- there was a report saying that Josh Gordon isn't th- – nothing has been determined about when he'll come back, but – can't help but think that if, if Tom Brady's practicing with him, it's, it's not just because they're pals. I, I think it's with the idea that he's going to be available to them this year. Well, I, I, I think you have to um, – I, I would caution that by saying any snapshot of anything that's happening with Josh Gordon in any moment could send a signal one way, but all it takes is, you know what I mean, a missed test, a diluted sample. You know what I mean? Like sure. he, he, he is so – He's on such um, tricky terrain in terms of his status with the league, and, and the policies are, are very draconian and prohibitive. And a lot can happen between now and whenever they get to Foxborough, July 27th, whenever yeah. they put pads on again. And I think that's where you, you have to just sit, sit back and let, let these things play out. And that's why you know the league often waits because, well, nobody's doing anything now, and it's the one time of the year where there's actually no football going on, not even fake football in, in pads and shells, and everybody's out of their facilities. So why, you know what I mean, why announce yeah. something about his status now, knowing two weeks from now it could be a completely different matter? It is interesting, though, yeah. that uh, there, there was a report that said there was a chance he could be reinstated by training camp. The Patriots re-signed him to a one-year, $2 million deal this offseason, believe that was his restricted free agent tender, which means that if he comes back and plays 10 games this year, he will be off into free agency in 2020. And I'd like to transition that into what's going on with Michael Thomas. In New Orleans, Michael Thomas clearly not in any trouble, but due for a new contract. There was a report from Jeff Duncan of NOLA.com talking about how the Saints are comfortable making Michael Thomas the league's highest paid wide receiver. I think it's really hard to fight against this. Michael Thomas has been outstanding since he's come into the National Football League. I think he's going to continue to be one of the premier receivers in the NFL. And um just want to pick your brain on this one, Jason. Should there be any hesitation by the Saints? What's the timeline on this type of a deal? Where are you at on Michael Thomas becoming the league's, potentially the league's highest paid wide receiver? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would just say that, 
this is another one where I, I think you, you, you got to have to let things play out just a little bit. I, I understand it's easy to say we, we know what this guy is. You know, we know he's a great receiver and we know what those guys make. Um, but when you're going from a jump of, you know, what, $600,000, $700,000 to, uh, you know, wanting $18, $19 million a year, it doesn't, it doesn't always happen yeah. quite like that, you know? And it's been three years, and they, he, he, what are the risks incurred with going out there and playing another season in the final year of this deal? And there is no franchise or fifth, you know, there's no fifth year option attached because he wasn't a first round pick. Um, it's kind of like that Russell Wilson situation where on his second contract, like you're going to get big money, but he, you know, he wasn't going to get what Aaron Rodgers got. And, and I don't think that Michael Thomas beats Odell Beckham. In this situation, but I, I think he'll have money on the table at the start of camp. That's in that sixteen to eighteen million dollar a year range. Um, the full guarantees, the true hard and fast, you know, fully committed guaranteed money at the time of signing might not be exactly what he wants, um, but it's going to be a hell of a lot better than you know going out there and, and risking yourself for you know year four for second round money. So. I, I, look, I don't think Michael Thomas is going anywhere. No. I think he's going to be a New Orleans Saint yes. for a long, long time. Uh, but I, I don't know that, that it's, um, is absolutely, you know, slam dunk, you know, oh, he's just going to, he's going to jump everybody and go to the head of the class and reset the wide receiver market. I, I'm not so sure that happens. When those things happen, it's usually not in a contract situation like this, where the reality is the team does still have uh, you know, a, a lot of leverage. But they know how important he is. He makes that offense go. They've been trying to find guys to supplement him for a little while now to, to make it a, a little more robust in the passing game and have a few more guys on the outside mm-hmm. who can be difference makers. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how that how that plays out. But, uh, you know, Sean Payton and those guys know what they have there, and, and they'll find a way to keep him around. I just don't know that, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, Michael Thomas is definitely about to become – you know, get more guaranteed money than any receiver ever has in the history of the game. I'm, I'm not sure that's exactly how the contract will play out. It feels to me like there's more downside for him to play out this year than there is for the Saints. Because I, I would imagine that you're right, Jason, that the Saints have probably put in front of him an offer to make him maybe the second highest paid wide receiver in the National Football League. So for him to become the highest paid, He'd have to continue on with what he's been doing. He has over 100 catches each of the last two seasons. Nine touchdowns last year, five the year before. How about this? A 77% catch rate. Since he's been in the league, he's only missed one game in three years. Uh, He would have to be as good, if not better, than he was last year with 1,400 yards and, like I said, nine touchdowns to overtake Odell Beckham, who is the highest-paid wide receiver, at five years, $90 million, $65 million in practical guarantees. That's what Odell signed was it really just a year ago when he signed that deal with the Giants yeah. and now he's on the Browns? It's crazy how that works. But I, I also think that there's an there's an additional layer to this, and that's with the other wide receivers who are set to be free agents after this year. And here's the list of guys who I think are interesting. Amari Cooper, A.J. Green, Tyreek Hill, mentioned Josh Gordon already. Robbie Anderson is also one of those guys, and I know no one thinks about, well, Robbie Anderson's never going to be a top five highest paid receiver, but I think if he has a big year, and I think if any of these receivers have a big year, and Michael Thomas ends up signing a deal that's 
on par, maybe slightly below what Odell Beckham got, I think that sets the market for them. And all of these receivers could end up getting huge contracts a year from now. Well, look, the cap's growing. We're about to have uh, – they're making decent headway on a CBA. They want to have that done by the, by the start of next season. And if they get it done then, then the broadcast contracts, they'll start working on those pretty early. And this gambling thing is going to be big money. So the, everybody knows the pie is going to continue to swell. Um, they don't know exactly by how, how much, but the cap will continue to grow. And it's a pass-happy league. Yep. And, you know, those guys – those guys are getting paid, and, and rightfully so. Um, you know, it didn't take Odell Beckham that much longer to jump, you know, Mike Evans in terms of the average per year. And, and you know, that's how it goes for elite wide receivers. You know, some of those guys, though, who knows me? Robbie Anderson's had his share of off-field peccadillos, nothing that's got him, uh, you know, in super big trouble yet. But, uh, you know, he, he's got he's to keep himself on the straight and narrow. But, yeah, and Adam Gase's offense, exploiting that speed, I think he'll. I think he'll put up. Uh, I think he'll put up a very big year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pete Prisco yeah. came so, back from. You know, I mean, Mari Cooper one is obviously unique in that Dallas is so much going on. There. Yeah. Prisco came back from Jets camp just going crazy about Robbie Anderson and the routes he was running. So he's certainly playing like he wants a new deal. And I, I should also mention there's a handful of receivers that are going to be free agents in 2021, including one Julio Jones. Who, according to ESPN, uh, his team, the Falcons, are confident that they will agree to a long-term contract extension uh, prior to the start of training camp. Could that be one that resets the receiver market more so than Michael Thomas? No, no, I don't think so. He's got two years remaining. He's thirty years old. Um, I, 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 he's obviously been a, a tremendous player. Um, but you look at what you know, and, and again, I'm not saying that this isn't huge money. But you, you look at what Oakland did for Antonio Brown and getting him, you know, in, the, in that 16 to 17 range. Uh, they've got Julio cheap for a couple more years or certainly cheap relative to the production level. I think they put a bunch of new money in his hands that, that makes him feel better about the next two years. And then I think you add two to three more team-friendly years on the back end um, without a crazy amount of injury guarantees because that's where the real concern is going to be as he gets older and it's not going to be that he doesn't take care of himself or there's something, you know, untoward that he does, but it's just going to be, does, you know, does he start to break down physically? So I, I, I don't think this is, they're going to reinvent the wheel with that. Um, you know, he, he likes being down there. He thinks they're a good team. Arthur Blank has, as you know, anytime Arthur Blank said he's going to take care of him, he has, but do, do I think he's going to be a $19, $20 million a year man? No, I don't. This is his third bite at the apple. You know, when the second the second contract, like you know, his situation with the second contract, you know, Odell's situation with the second contract, you you, you play out, um, you know, you, you ball out for four years in this league, um, and 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 you know, you're in your mid twenties and you've had elite production. That's when you see, you know, the guys who start shattering new marks. You know, it's, it's a little harder when you're on the wrong side of thirty in Julio's case. Or where you you know you've only done it for three years in the case of Thomas and there is no fifth year option in play, um, but uh, yeah I don't I don't you know I to me Julio Jones uh, from the moment they made that trade and how they've treated him ever since screams that they want him to be a Falcon for life and I think he will be but I, I don't think the structure of this contract is going to be uh, monumental. That's going to be an interesting storyline to follow this offseason, seeing if the Falcons can get that done 
with Julio Jones. Uh, hey, on CBSSports.com this week, there were two really interesting stories. One was about the Texans' mess at general manager. The other one was Todd Gurley's trainer speaking out on the injured or not running back. We're going to get to both of those stories because both of the people who wrote those stories are on this podcast. Sit tight. We're going to get back to you after this. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, Jason, you did some pretty interesting uh, reporting on the Texans' mess at General Manager. They fired Brian Gain. They tried to recruit Nick Casario. The Patriots said, hey, you can't do that. You're tampering. And now the Texans don't have a general manager. This, this is some interesting times going on in Houston, and I use the term interesting loosely. Yeah, I mean, look, um, it's, just not, it's just not a good look, what's, what's going on there. Uh, on any level, from you know, the, the aftermath of what happened in the draft and them losing out on, on you know, Dillard, who that, it, it seemed they thought was going to fall to them, they made plenty of noise about how much they wanted to trade up for an offensive lineman for you know weeks if not months leading up to the draft and then they say in stand still and Howie Roseman steals their lunch money um, <coughs> still concerns about their ability to protect their young franchise quarterback um, the ability for people to play nice amongst each other as peers there between the you know personnel and coaching has been an issue since Bill O'Brien got there and you know the ousting of a general manager in the middle of June when you do that it's usually because you've already got something signed, sealed, and delivered with the next guy. Well, they, they certainly didn't have that with Nick Casario, even if they thought they did. Uh, and, and then to interview, you know, two, um, you know, Rooney Rule candidates or, or, you know, guys who qualified towards Rooney Rule interviews, and then just to dismiss, you know, Martin Mayhew and Ray Farmer, both of whom have been general managers in this league, and just say, no, we don't need anybody at all. I think that I don't think I know that has rankled people around the league who say, "Wait a minute! Like you don't like they're not worthy of a second interview in the fallout of this, or there's nothing they could do." You know, in the case of a Ray Farmer for your organization, like what was that all about? You had them all lined up to go before you even fired Gain, so you could get it. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, to just get to the guy you wanted. Well, then you better get the guy you want because if you don't, then what everybody kind of knew was a sham. It's even more obvious as a sham. And they're doing this under the specter of a, a, a discrimination complaint. Um, their their uh, former head of security has, has filed a complaint against them, claiming that um, there are discriminatory practices going on in regards to race and how individuals are fired there. And the Texans are refuting that. But, I mean, th- this is all sort of unraveling in real time. And I don't know, man. Um, 
It's a mess. It's really, it's, it's, really it's, it's, amateur. Yeah, I mean, you know, Bob McNair, the patriarch, isn't there anymore. His son doesn't have, you know, experience running the day-to-day operations of an NFL team. And to, to like, put out all those statements two weeks ago, like, you know, we, the owner, you know, the owner just decided he wanted to evaluate everything in the organization. Like, come on, man. People are about to go on vacation. Like, that's not, that's not how it works. Like, I, I'm just – no one in the league is buying that. You know, Cal McNair is just sitting there, um, you know, uh, doing all this research and figuring out if they could get better in the middle of June. And then on his own comes to the conclusion, like, let's fire Brian Gain. Like, come on, man. Right. You know, I mean, Brian Gain was there already at the behest of Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien was running more or less that GM search. It was all about finding somebody who could work with Bill O'Brien. And then they don't get the tackle they want, and, and you're going to blame Brian Gain? Like, he's been there 18 months. They won 11 games, right? They, yep. they won a division title. I mean, it, 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 it's, all kind of, uh, it's all kind of bizarre. And, you know, there's all this talk now, well, oh, well, you know, maybe they just get Casario in June. I mean, really? They need like, a general manager be between now and then. GM in June, and like, yeah. does he really want to go there? Like, it, does Deshaun Watson get maimed again this year? Like, do they puncture his lungs or you know <laughs> blow out a hip? Or I mean, like, what's the state of the roster? Like, is Jadavian Clowney going to be there? Like, is JJ Watt still going to be JJ? I mean, really? Like, oh no, it's not that big of a deal. They'll just get their guy in January. Okay, all right. Well, we'll see. Joe Douglas got hired. I mean, Casario is one of the the big fish sitting out there. You got to think in a year after two years where we all thought there'd be you know many GMs fired and virtually no one was. There'll be openings. So I, I it's a very unusual situation, and uh, it's not when you can't get through the. The, what is supposed to be the dead time in the NFL calendar without, you know what I mean, causing, uh, you know, a national kerfuffle, then you've got a problem. Could this be a situation where the Texans do what the Panthers did when they lost Dave Gettleman? Or I don't think they lost him. I think they let him go. If I, You can let me know if that's what happened because for whatever reason I'm blanking on it. But they brought back Marty Herney. It was kind of on an yeah. interim deal. Like, what's stopping Houston from reaching out to Charlie Casserly, who once upon a time ran the Texans? Have him come in with the understanding that he's got the job until the end of the season. Pay him, you know, a little bit more than what you might pay, you know, a lower-level general manager and say, all right, Charlie, we need you to be that guy for us. What's stopping the Texans from doing something like that to help them bridge the gap between now and Casario time? There's nothing to stop them, but clearly they don't think they need it. I mean, I... Well, it would have been nothing to stop them from hiring Ray Farmer, who they just brought in seemingly because they thought something of his football acumen. Um, I, I, am, I mean, one would like to think they saw something in Ray Farmer other than the color of his skin and the fact he'd be an NFL G- GM, right? Right. Like, you, you would hope, like you would think. Um, no, there's nothing to stop them from that. But clearly, look, I mean, I, it seems pretty clear they were Nick Casario or bust, and now they're bust. So, you know, O'Brien already had a ton of say in personnel anyway, and Gain was really servicing him. They, that's just the reality of the situation. So we don't need a GM because, we, you know, Easterby ha- was well thought of in New England, and people thought he could, he could sort of bridge the gap from character and development coach to eventual GM, and that may happen. Who knows what their structure will look like, you know, six months from now. Um, but no, there's, there's not, the only thing that's stopping them is, them, is, is the powers that be wanting or not wanting that individual in the building, um, we, we, uh, we, 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 you know, there's, they, they, you know, they look, you can do whatever you want and we can, whatever we say about it in June will or won't matter based on the W's and the L's and if they win another division title. Then really none of this will matter. And there'll be a lot of palace intrigue about nothing, but 
if there are issues there and if they're you know reinventing their organizational pyramid again six months from now, then yeah, people are going to be talking. Well, if they're reinventing the pyramid six months from now, then Bill O'Brien probably won't be a part of it. He's 42. No doubt. 42 and 38 as a head coach. How about this? He's one in three in playoff games. And the one win came against a beat up Raiders team without Derek Carr. So pretty much the, the ultimate layup of playoff games is Bill O'Brien's only win. JD Avion Clowney is still on the franchise tag. They could probably use a general manager to negotiate that one unless they're going to say, all right, look, it's either the tag or you sit out this year, Jadavion. Uh, Whitney Merciless is going to be a free agent in 2020. And then Deshaun Watson is a free agent in 2021. If they don't fill the GM job as soon as the 2019 season is over, there could be some real serious issues that creep up on the Texans franchise. So they better have a good plan in place. But I, I think it's a make or break year for, for Bill O'Brien. And I'm I'm a little concerned about this offense, Jason. That the offensive line is yeah. a mess. I really don't like what they did with it in the draft. Uh, maybe they were waiting for Andre Dillard to fall in their lap, and Philadelphia just jumped right in front of them to take him. I love that move that the Eagles made. I hate how yes. the Texans reacted to it, and I just I, I'm I'm very nervous. Uh, speaking just selfishly for my fantasy teams, I'm very nervous about Deshaun Watson lasting 16 yes. games. No, I mean I don't see where they're. Short of him just being super elusive and throwing a ton of quick passes and saving his own bacon, I don't see where the infrastructure around him is much or any different, um, certainly much or, or any improved from where it was a year ago and the year before that. And that was woefully, uh, woefully in- inefficient and suspect. And, um, you know, they're, the turning point, I, I think if they're who I think they are, which is a descending team that won a couple quasi, you know, kind of Fugazi division titles, but really was never going anywhere. Like if, if, and if they are on the decline this year and they're seven and nine or whatever and they blow that thing up, I think you can go back to how they handled the Dwayne Brown situation as the beginning of the end. Just, um, just, Dwayne Brown's not the end all and be all when it comes to left tackles, but go, go ask Russell Wilson about life before him and mm-hmm. life with him. It, and it's different. You might be able to ask Sean Watson the exact same thing. Just for funsies, the Texans' first three games this year, at New Orleans, home against Jacksonville, at the Chargers, what's their record after week three? Mm, probably not good. Probably not One good. and two, maybe? And I heard in real time and throughout that whole thing that, you know, Rick Smith probably would have paid him, but Bill O'Brien didn't want to. And they drew their line in the sand, and they ended up trading him to Seattle. And that may be um, one of the major forks in the road into into who the Texans may have been and what they've become. Nervous about their future. You can read more on Jason's take on the Texans and their GM flub on CBSSports.com. You can also read my um, story on Todd Gurley and my talk yeah, with man, his trainer. Nice, nice work there, buddy. Nice, uh, you know, when I, nice little feather in your cap. Great scoop. When when I want to get to the bottom of something, Jason, I do my best to get there. And this all started with Travell Gaines, who is the trainer of Todd Gurley. I reached out to him, asked him if he was available to do an interview. He said sure. And it really did not take long for us to get on the topic of Todd Gurley because Travell knows what I'm all about. And he was very forthcoming with how Todd's doing, what the plan is for Todd uh, this July before he gets to training camp, and what he thinks the plan is going to be when the season starts. Now, I've been I've talked to trainers all over the place for the last 15 plus years. You know this as well as anybody. They're advocates for the people who they train. 
Now they might Everybody's have... always in the best shape of their life. Everybody's yes. ahead of schedule. Everybody is going to set the world on fire. Now, yeah. sometimes you will talk to a trainer, and they will speak frankly about players who they don't train or used to train. Yeah. And that's always good juice. But this wasn't the case. Um, Travell got very in-depth and was very honest about Todd Gurley's knee. He said that there was, quote, an arthritic component in the knee, but doesn't think that it's going to cost him – much in the way of touches, the Rams have not told him that they plan to decrease his workload in week one. They're, they are going to manage. The words that Travell used were managed and preserve when talking about Todd Gurley's workouts this offseason. Now, Travell said he did absolutely nothing from the Super Bowl until July. And if you yeah. read all the reports from Rams training camp, or mini camp rather, he didn't participate. He wasn't there. He was either on the sideline or maybe not even there. But he is going to work out with Travell uh, in July, but it's going to be done with the idea of shedding some body fat, losing a little bit of weight, which I believe is, A, good for Todd to lose a little body fat. We could all do that. But, B, it's going to take a little bit of weight off of that knee. And I, I, I think that this is going to be a storyline with Todd that we're going to have to follow for the rest of his career, that his knee can be a problem out of nowhere because of the yeah. arthritic condition that's in it. Yep. Will he have some great games? No doubt in my mind that he will. But I also think there's going to be games where he disappears and games that he misses because of the knee. And the Rams, this this is what Gaines told me. Obviously, I'm telling you that now. The Rams aren't saying much, but their actions speak volumes because they brought back sure. Malcolm Brown. They've got Daryl Henderson in the draft. They traded up in round three to get him. There was yep. a, the, the Rams, like so many teams do now, they do like this this show based on the draft, and they've got access to the draft room. And on a microphone, the general manager, Les Snead, said that Daryl Henderson has that Camara element to his game. I love the idea of Sean McVay having a guy with a Camara element in his offense. I hate that the guy's not Todd Gurley because he's been so great for fantasy football and great for the Rams as well. But there, to me, there is legitimate concern, despite what Travell Gaines told me, the trainer told me, that Todd Gurley just won't be himself and probably won't get the type of workload that we're used to seeing from him moving forward. Yeah, I, I think that's the reality. And you and I were talking a little bit on text a few weeks back, and, and this is this has now come into a managing the player situation. And last year, let's be honest, especially for the first eight weeks, I think exploit is too strong of a verb, but it was about maximizing, right? Maximizing the snaps of the player. We're not going to do anything in camp. We're not going to do anything – um, until it matters, and then once it matters, this is this is it. This is our fulcrum. We're running our offense through him. He's our identity, and then we can do we can do play action passes and the screen game and all the underneath stuff off of that. But this is our guy, and he's also going to catch a ton of balls. And the work rate by the middle of the year was off the charts, and he started to give a little bit, and they started to recalibrate even before the injury situation dragged on and intensified in a way that maybe you didn't you know think originally it was going to. And then we all, all obviously all know what happened in the playoffs. And, yeah, I don't think there's anybody there who's writing down, you know, 2,500 yards from scrimmage and a Sharpie for Todd Gurley this year. I don't know if you could say projection. 1,500, Jason. What's that? I don't know if you could even say 1,500 yards in no, a Sharpie. No, right. I, I, I'm with you. I mean, but it's certainly not going to be anything close. Even if without the injury, it was going to be nothing close to what he was on pace for at the middle of last season. And now with the significance of this injury and the way that um, they've had to address it this offseason, 
And then you mentioned the moves that they've made. They've, they've gone out and gotten Todd Gurley insurance. Um, huh, that's yeah, a good I name I think for that it. the game gets out of hand one way or the other. Um, them in the lead or them behind early or late, you know, you're not going to see a lot of Todd Gurley. And I think there's going to be certain drives and certain points in the game when McVay already knows, I'm just not using him, you know what I mean, for this series of plays. It doesn't matter what he's done. You know, he could have looked like the vintage September of 2018 Todd Gurley, but he's going to sit out these next 10, 12 snaps, whatever. Um, and and he's enough of a schemer and a guy who has enough different personnel formations and, and is smart enough to be able to handle that situation. But, yes, this is now managing Todd Gurley, not maximizing Todd Gurley. That's the reality, and I, I don't see that changing probably ever, you know? I, I, I mean – for all the money they paid him, you want to try to now get as much of a return as you yeah. can, knowing that um, it's not about him looking like the best player in football every single week of the year, but it's about you know getting him to the point where maybe he looks like one of the best players in football a couple times in the postseason, and that gets us over the top. Yeah, Gaines mentioned that they want to get they want to squeeze out every dime on that contract with Todd. Uh, here are my favorite stats from the playoff run. Remember, the Rams made the Super Bowl three playoff games. Huge, important games for their franchise. Todd Gurley played 120 snaps total. He had 34 touches total. And here's the thing that gets me. This one blows my mind. The Rams had 29 plays in the red zone in the playoffs. Believe it or not, they had none in the Super Bowl. That's something people don't even realize. Right. 29 red zone snaps in the games against Dallas and New Orleans. Todd Gurley played on seven of them. Crazy. So they knew then that they, they, they had to limit him. And there's nothing that's been said or done this offseason that suggests that they're going to unlimit him. And I think about Daryl Henderson and what his skill set is and what his speed is. And Sean McVay could get intoxicated with what Daryl Henderson can do on the field. It, it wouldn't surprise me if by the time that the halfway point of the season comes around, he's the one averaging 12 touches per game. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility whatsoever. Um, it, this is just a it's, a, it's a different situation now. It, it really is. It's about, you know, from week to week, how does he feel? Where do we think he can do best? And when, when he is on the field, maximizing the spurt, the production, that play, because the overall workload and snap rate is, is going to be drastically different than anything a healthy Todd Gurley had been on pace for previously in his career. I just think that's their reality now. We, you, you can definitely read up on what Travell Gaines had to say about Todd Gurley on CBSSports.com. It's a must read if you play fantasy football. And if you play fantasy football, our fantasy football magazines, the draft preview magazines, are going to be out in newsstands. We've got two versions of it. The first one is going to be on newsstands real soon. It's going to have Patrick Mahomes on the cover. The second one will have the most in-depth story you will find on Todd Gurley. It will include the stuff that we've already talked about, but it's going to also have a doctor's perspective on arthritis in Todd Gurley's knee and a real deep look into just what you should expect out of Todd Gurley and where you should draft him in fantasy football in 2019. That's something to keep in mind if you play fantasy football. And let's face it, everybody plays fantasy football. Also this week here on CBSSports.com, Jason, Pete Prisco released his top 100 players. And number one was not a quarterback. It was Aaron Donald of Todd Gurley's Rams. Do you agree with that? Do you think he should? Do you think that Aaron Donald is the number one best player in the NFL right now? I don't have a problem with it. You know, I, I really don't. Um, 
he's been doing this a long time. I think he, he, get, he probably got sick of running Aaron Rodgers every single year. Um, and Aaron hasn't been for a couple of years now. And, I, I mean, I have the utmost respect for Tom, Tom Brady, but um, at this stage of his career, I think you, you started to see the reinvention of New England last year. And I think that jumbo set, offset, um, you know, power stuff, unbalanced line, I think that's who they are. I think it's about maximizing the best 20 to 25 throws from Tom Brady and doing other things to complement that the rest of the time, sort of like what we're saying with Gurley. I mean, Russell Wilson's way up there for me. Patrick Mahomes, it's been one year. I mean, it was a sensational year, historically significant year, more than anyone could have ever hoped or thought for for a player that young, you know, in his first time as a starter. But, it, you know, let, let's see. You know, you want to see that, that play out a little bit. Um, there's there's obviously some other great players in this league, but you know Le'Veon Bell has been in that conversation in the past. Um, remind me, what did he do last year? Uh, he sat out and waited. He to didn't get play paid. football, right? right? Yeah, he had as many touchdowns so no, as we man, did. I can't. I, you know, I love to bust Frisco's chops when I can, but I think you want to come up with a list that's maybe not completely predictable. And I don't think you can quibble with Aaron Donald. I mean, Aaron Donald is. I mean, he's Reggie White. Maybe I mean might he might be better. I, mean, I kind of don't than Reggie like White. Reggie word, White, but he may be better than Reggie White. Yeah, he, um, I, I think there's super no question. Special player. I think there's no question that he's the best defensive player in the NFL. And when you talk about the best player in the NFL, I think you do have to line him up with many of the quarterbacks that you said Wilson, Mahomes should be up there. I don't think Aaron Rodgers has earned it after what has happened to him the last two seasons. I think you can make the case for Andrew Luck. I think that he, you know, the one year he set up. You know what I mean? Was awful one year, and he's. I said, well, but he also had some right really now. good years before. He's an injury right now, but if they had to line up and play football today, he's not doing it. So because of the calf. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Who else could you make the case for here? I, Real I, open. I, I, mean, I mean, we can. I, you can. I don't, I don't think Drew Brees qualifies anymore. I, I think Odell Beckham is that special of a player, and I think you know by about week six of this year, people are going to remember like what what he can do and what he's going to be able to do with a quarterback who he doesn't have to leave his feet. And not, not every five yard bubble screen is you know an adventure in babysitting and maintaining my neck and hoping that you know <laughs> when I leave my feet to catch this ball that should have been my hands three feet lower that nobody kills me. You know, like I think he will very much be in that conversation um, by this time next year. I, I think he's going to – and I know they've got a lot of how can you feed all these guys and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, that's great. But, yeah, they're, they're uh, going to feed Odell. Right. This guy's Superman, you know what I yes. mean? And everybody else is trying to be – or this guy's Batman, everybody else is trying to be Robin. But uh, I got a feeling that real quickly the quarterback's going to see – I could throw it anywhere around this cat, and there's a pretty good chance he's going to get to it. No doubt about it. He was 12th on Pete Prisco's list in the top 100. Saquon Barkley, his former teammate, was actually 11th. I think you could make the case for him even after one year because he was just such a special back. I'm surprised that Prisco had a running back that high, but I, I, I think that Saquon Barkley really is an unbelievable player. Um, Khalil Mack, we, I guess we shouldn't overlook him. Maybe we shouldn't overlook Von Miller either. Both of them were in Pete's no. top five. But you know, it's different with an interior guy. You know what I mean? When you got a guy like Donald who basically outproduces those guys, at, you know, sack per rush numbers, and does it from the inside against quadruple teams. I mean, I, I just that's that's just otherworldly. I know he's really just an incredible defensive player. If you missed Wednesday and Thursday's episode, you'll want to check them out. Brady Quinn analyzed and. 
Uh, honestly, he critiqued the hell out of Pete Prisco in his top 100 players list. You can check out the two-part special after listening to this one if you scroll back in your feed. And, of course, you can read the top 100 list for Pete Prisco uh, on CBSSports.com right now. Jason, what are you going to do for vacation now? We've got a month before training camp kicks off. Where are you headed? Uh, well, I'm going to take off the first couple of weeks in July. In the meantime, though, next week I am going to go down to Morehouse College in Atlanta. The NFL has uh, been well documented, the issues with getting more diverse um, people with diverse backgrounds into the head coaching per, per, uh, profession, and obviously there's a dearth of, of African-American and Latino uh, uh, offensive coordinators. So the league has started this initiative where they try to get a lot of you know, bright young and old offensive minds from various backgrounds together in Atlanta with a bunch of quarterbacks to just try to start creating a pipeline and a network um, where, you know, an unheard of quarterback coach or offensive coordinator at some small college might get a chance to rub elbows with a Bruce Arians. You know what I mean? And sure. Maybe he becomes a, a quality control guy for him in a year and then maybe, you know, move up the ranks because, let's face it, these owners are really only hiring quarterback gurus. And just go through a media guide or go through any team's website. Good luck finding a lot of African-American coaches who have been given an opportunity to coach the quarterback. And that's what people are looking for in their head coach now. So I'll be down there for a couple days next week at that symposium and then some of the on-field workouts. Um, and then, uh, you know, write some columns next week. And then uh, we'll just be around sort of a one-week staycation kind of a thing. And then we'll go to the Outer Banks for a week. And then, uh, you know... By what? I think July 24th or 25th, I'll be at my first camp. Yep. So, um, then it I'll, I, I'm, I ain't going to lie. I'll, I'll enjoy, I'm enjoy <laughs> a little time away from football because so much of my life is dominated by it. Um, and, and I love it, but, uh, you know, uh, a little uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? Isn't that what they say? You will be so ready, and you know this because you've been doing it for 700 years, you'll be so ready for training camp. And that's how it is in the yeah. NFL, too. A bunch of coaches go on vacation. This is basically the only time of year where they can really be with their family for more than about 12 hours at a time. Um, and it's really a noble thing that you're doing, going down to Morehouse and participating in that, Jason. I'm also going to do something no, very... Hey, no, I mean, I, I'm doing it just because I'm interested in it, and I want to check it out and shine a light on it and write about it. You know, But, it, but it, it's a worthy cause. It. It's a worthy story, for sure. And it's a worthy cause, and, and I, I admire you, actually, for doing it. And I think it's really, really cool that you're doing it, so... Uh, thank you in well, advance for the work that you're going to put I in. I care about me. with the league, and there's areas where this league has a ways to go. And, yes. And hopefully, you know, there's there continue to be initiatives in place that that address it because you you look at these locker rooms, and then you look at these boardrooms, and you look at these front offices, and there's the what's you know the the, the 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 demographics of the locker room just aren't represented in the other areas of the sport, unfortunately. And hopefully that that changes over time. Here, here, and while you're going to be doing that. I'll be in Vegas, and you know what happened in Vegas. Good for you. Yeah, you know. Enjoy. Haven't been there in a couple of years. I'm excited to get back. Hey, on Monday on the Pick 6 podcast, Will Brinson will be back from his vacation. He certainly isn't doing anything noble or noteworthy, and he's going to answer your questions. So if you've got a question about the NFL that you've got to have answered, drop a line right now on Twitter at Pick 6 Pod. Same thing on Instagram, Pick 6 Pod. Drop us a note. We'll answer it live on the air. Jason, have a great time next week, and, and enjoy that vacation. Great talking to you today. Yeah, my pleasure. Great work on the girly story, and uh, enjoy Vegas, my friend. I will do my best. For Jason Lockton, for producer Eric DiBerardinas, I'm Dave Richard. Thanks for coming out.